You're listening to On The Beat on Sin 90.7 FM, Digital Radio and the Community Radio Plus app. It's five o'clock on Saturday, the 16th of September. Coming up, the federal government's Housing Future Fund has passed the Senate after Labor reached a deal with the Greens after months of negotiations. A first-of-its-kind hub for Melbourne's gig workers has opened up in the CBD to provide amenities for a growing cohort of workers without an office. Aspiring high school teachers will soon study for free under a state government initiative after a rally outside Parliament House last week. Victorian series Neighbours returns the screens on Monday, but there's trouble for interstate productions with funding cuts in New South Wales and a paid dispute in Queensland. And in sport, Kyra Cooney-Cross has become the latest Matildas player to sign with an overseas football club, making a deadline day deal to play for Arsenal in Europe's Women's Super League. We're reporting from Sin Media's Melbourne NAM studios in the Eastern Kulin Nation. We recognise this land has not been ceded and respectfully acknowledge its traditional owners, the Wurundjeri people and elders, past, present and emerging. Women Jika, welcome to the program and thanks for your company. I'm Sarah Davenport, joined by Elizabeth Folds. Hi. Dom Neary. Hello. And Sam Deshaies with our lead story. The state government has been urged to support pill testing by a second coroner this year as Queensland moves to become the first state to roll out the service at music festivals. Sam, what did the coroner say? Notwithstanding this, a drug checking service would have at least created the opportunity for him to do so and for him to receive tailored harm reduction information from the drug checking facility, the coroner said, in reference to the death of a man at Carnival Music Festival in Flemington in March 2022. This death had sparked a Victorian coroner to call for pill testing to be introduced in Victoria after the man had taken an illicit drug resembling a pill known as the Blue Punisher. The Blue Punisher pill has been found to include up to five times the MDMA dose that would usually be consumed in a non-clinical setting. It also has a skull design referencing a comic of a similar reference. So what is Queensland doing about this? Well, Queensland is becoming the first Australian state to have a free service on site to test illicit drugs. This service is going to be open to all individuals, including those under the age of 18. Individuals seeking this particular service will also not be reported to police. Brief interventions are also going to be offered on ground to members of the public, inclusive of information about harm reduction and the offering to bin drugs users do not want. Queensland's Health Minister, Shannon Fentiman, said, We need to be clear, this is a harm minimisation measure, not a law and order campaign. We're doing this to try to protect all Queenslanders from the dangerous effects of illicit drugs. So what are people saying about this? A Sydney Morning Herald poll found that out of its reader base, 88% of readers agreed that drug testing of illicit substances supports harm minimisation. Now, I remember uh, covering this topic pretty heavily when I was in high school and, you know, being around that kind of age of 15 and 16 and also hearing that this is a service that's available to people who under who are under the age of 18. Did you guys have festival experiences when you were kind of 16, 18, or has this been a circuit that you've come into more recently in terms of going to music festivals? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I was underage, um, pill testing was happening in Queensland, I believe, and we were covering it in school. Um, and 
yeah, it definitely changed our thoughts on harm minimization. I think it was a really healthy thing um, to have around, yeah. Yeah, similarly, I think we covered it in school, but not as much in relation to music festivals and the music scene. I then, when I was like 18, did a whole assignment on it at uni in reference to I think they were doing a trial at Groove and the Moo in Canberra um, and like read the results from that and yeah just learning about harm minimization and also going to festivals and seeing those harm minimization tactics mm. in place is really great as well yeah kind of like also like down downtime spaces yeah. um, mental health love a quiet yeah, mental health supporters I don't know yeah. if they're professionals but I think that was also really healthy um, yeah Groove and the Moo is a big one. I think they had a few pill testing mm. um, sites. So, yeah. If this conversation has raised issues for you, you can contact the National Alcohol and Other Drugs Hotline on 1-800-250-015. The federal government's Housing Future Fund has passed the Senate after Labor reached a deal with the Greens after months of negotiations. Dom Neary has more. Dom, what is the crisis in housing? So currently there are 175,000 people on the social housing wait list, a number that has increased more by more than 1,100 people in 2022. The Gretton Institute estimated earlier this year that on average each new social housing build costs $300,000. What caused the disagreement over the Housing Future Fund? So... During last year's election, Adam Band, the leader of the Greens, held the Greens as the party of the renters. Uh, in February, Albanese proposed $10 billion for social and affordable housing, but nothing in direct funding towards social housing. The money was to be invested in the Future Fund, so Australia's sovereign wealth fund, and the cash was to be allocated to housing construction only after the investment produced a return. And of course, the Greens had their opposition to that. So what are some concessions that Labor have made? So the $10 billion Housing Future Fund, the HAF, uh, is set to include currently $1 billion for public and community housing, SBS reports. However, the path hasn't been straightforward because in June, Labor revised the bill to include $500 million initially and guarantee annual, annual spending, following pressure from the Greens. And at this stage, the Greens were still in opposition to the bill, claiming that the promises made by Labor were insufficient. So then in February, Labor promised a one-off payment of $1 billion to all the states to fund social housing. And then in June, they agreed on $2 billion. Uh, the Greens still held their opposition. Um, and now what we have is $1 billion directly to public and social housing. So Max Chandler-Matha was at the spearhead of the Greens' housing fight. Uh, he initially called for a two-year rent freeze. This was followed by calls for a 2% gap on annual rent increases as well as 5 billion dollars annual spending on affordable housing. Uh, the Greens later revised down to 2.5 billion and now the Greens are in full support of the past bill, the half. Anyone renting at the moment? Are these issues also affecting you? I am renting at the moment. So. Our rent went up in June, I think, mm -hmm. uh, which means it won't for a little while, fingers crossed. It, we were pretty lucky that it didn't go up too much, but we were definitely very stressed in the lead up to. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like Definitely experienced that. I think last year I got like hit with a an increase from like three eighty a week to I think a proposed five seventy a week. You're kidding? Yeah, that's a, that's a large hike. Yeah, I lived in the city, yep. so that was like pretty detrimental. I was going through my I was in my third year of uni. I was going through my last like couple of weeks mm. of school. 
very stressful. Yeah. It is. And just the market in general is like at its most competitive yeah. at the moment. Yeah. So yeah, there's almost kind of, you're like you're locked in in and a that, way. That was the same time Sometimes. frame that like international students were also coming into the country. Mm-hmm. So everyone was like in a way looking for a new apartment to rent. So the, I guess my landlord knew that they'd have like a market regardless of if I stayed or not. Mm-hmm. Which also made finding a new place really difficult. Yeah, it is. It's almost like yeah, share house is kind of more the option now. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean for shared um, fees as well. But yeah, living alone in the city is. Or do you live with someone? I like. I now live with someone because yeah. of that. Yeah, I would. I'd still prefer to live alone. But yeah, it's not feasible. It's, it is yeah. not. Not anymore. You're listening to On The Beat on Sin 90.7 FM, digital radio and the Community Radio Plus app. Victorian Series Neighbours returns to screens on Monday, but there's trouble for interstate productions with funding cuts in New South Wales and a pay dispute in Queensland. Elizabeth Folds has more. Liz, let's start in New South Wales. What has its state government announced? The New South Wales government has flagged that the next week's budget will include $188 million in cuts to a number of screen innovation programs, such as Made in New South Wales, a fund that has been used to attract blockbuster films and high-end television productions like, for example, Thor's Love and Thunder. What are producers saying in response? So Screen Producer Australia's Chief Executive Matthew Dina said the cuts were a disaster for screen practitioners in the state at a time when Australian content quotas were being considered by the federal government unleashing local productions. So turning to Queensland, what is happening there? So crew on the Queensland-made series Apples Never Fall were terminated two weeks ago after the crew were stood up, stood down without pay for an entire month. So in an open letter published by the Media Entertainment and Arts Alliance, so MEAA, at the end of last week, that has since garnered more than 500 signatures, the crew have said that their termination a fortnight ago without one week's pay demonstrated a disregard for their well-being. Mm. That being said, what kind of Australian shows do you have you guys been watching? Definitely a lot on ABC. Um, yeah, Aussie comedians like mm. Kitty Flanagan, fantastic. I'm trying to watch Utopia next. Oh, I haven't watched Utopia. Yeah. Um, I definitely grew up with Neighbours. Like, Neighbours would be playing as I would eat dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, but I reckon my favourite Aussie show is Please Like Me, Josh Thomas. Fantastic. Yeah. Seriously I'm fantastic. So great. And I'm currently watching The Secret Life of Us at the moment, which was, like, aired in the 2000s. Yeah. It's so great. Delightful. I feel like you would really like it. Yes. And then Love Love My Way as well. It's like a really Ooh. old one. It's super 2000s. Heartbreak um, High. It's great. Yeah, Heartbreak High is a goodie. Yeah. We love Heartbreak Sophie High. Sophie Monk, queen of everything, of course. Um, yeah, Neighbours is iconic. Mm. Everyone who's, yeah, ever existed has been on it. just coming back though. Right? It's, it's the beginning point. Delta Goodrum, all, of the, <laughs> all the stars. Margot Robbie. Yeah, right? Like, who hasn't been on Neighbours? I can't believe I haven't Kylie been Minogue, on Neighbours. question mark? I, don't I think so. I think I saw, an, I saw like, an article with their name so. in it, and that was as far as I got. I reckon. I'd be surprised if she wasn't yeah, on Neighbours. Sam, any favourite Aussie TV shows? We've been naming some classics as well, some classics. I think, um, you know, I love Bluey, right? Shout out to Bluey. I love I've Bluey. never seen Bluey. It's so great. I'm making I, I think I've seen addicted like two episodes it. and I uh, <laughs> loved it. Might be too good. <laughs> yeah. But I love, like, you know, stuff that we can kind of export overseas and really represents, you know, culturally ourselves. I love that TV show, The Slap, that came out. 
in like yeah. oh, the 2010s or whatever. Yeah, Christoph. You know, Christoph yeah. Sulkis. Yeah. Yeah, great, great writer. writing. Really great writer. Really uh, controversial. It makes you feel super uncomfortable, his works. Um, yeah, The Slap is it's a really interesting one. I actually haven't seen the show. Um, did you watch Barracuda? That's another I one love of his that books. Show. Yeah. That that gave me chills. I, I haven't read the brilliant. books, but seen the shows. Yeah, why it is not? great. But I love stuff like that that really represents you know us, and we have a lot of actors like and talent and production crew that head overseas, and people acknowledge the talent. Like, there's never a Hollywood film without an Aussie in in a lead role. That's right. You know, but it's great seeing that there's encouragement from a lot of these production companies to make more work over here. Yeah, it's really great. Um, I know that the Inspired Unemployed have a new show. It's oh, on yeah. Paramount and Channel 10, I believe. Um, yeah, that's gone international. Um, nice. They, yeah, they did really well, The Voice. It's a good show. It's just like practical jokes kind of thing, but very um, – I would say it's not – yeah, it's not too controversial. They it's play like safe and it's not edgy. Yeah. It's actually – yeah, it's super wholesome um, most of the time. Uh, and then Hannah Gadsby's Nanette also Love blew up on Netflix, mm. and that was fantastic. So yeah, that was really I good. loved I loved her success with that. It was great. Mm. You're listening to On the Beat on Sin ninety point seven FM Digital Radio and the Community Radio Plus app. Thanks for your company. It's half five on Saturday, the sixteenth of September. Here are the stories we're following. The state government has been urged to support a pill testing by a second coroner this year as Queensland moves to become the first state to roll out the service at music festivals. The coroner said a drug testing service would have created opportunity for a man who died after taking the Blue Punisher drug to receive harm minimisation information. Queensland is now set to become the first state in Australia to provide such a service without referring users to police. The federal government's Housing Future Fund has passed the Senate after Labor reached a deal with the Greens after months of negotiations. Labor has committed several billion dollars towards social housing now, in addition to its investment fund which supports construction later. Right now, over 170,000 people are waiting for social housing. A first-of-its-kind hub for Melbourne's gig workers has opened in the CBD to provide amenities for a growing cohort of workers without an office. The space provides a place to rest with microwave, water and bike lights. It comes after a series of high-profile deaths of delivery drivers in Australia this year. Aspiring high school teachers will soon study for free under a state government initiative after a rally outside Parliament House last week. The plan aims to tackle the more than 2,000 teaching positions left vacant in Victoria. It's also supported on a federal level by a National Teacher Workforce Action Plan. Victorian series Neighbours returns to screens on Monday, but there's trouble for interstate productions with funding cuts in New South Wales and a pay dispute in Queensland. The New South Wales government has flagged its state budget next week will include over $180 million in cuts to film programs. Meanwhile, the crew on the Queensland production Apples Never Fall have written an open letter after the production was suddenly terminated. And in sport, Kyra Cooney-Cross has become the latest player to sign with an overseas football club, making a deadline day deal to play for Arsenal in Europe's Women's Super League. The deal is reportedly worth $270,000 before other bonuses. Cooney-Cross joins Sam Kerr, Mary Fowler and Mackenzie Arnold in heading abroad to play football for overseas clubs. Let's get some more on one of those stories I just brought you. A first-of-its-kind hub for Melbourne's gig workers has opened up in the CBD to provide amenities for a growing cohort of workers without an office. Sam Deshays has more. Sam, where is the hub and what's there? 
Well, the hub is located in Melbourne CBD and will provide resources including a microwave, water bottles and drink cans, clean toilet facilities, bike lights and a warm, heated space to have a moment of rest for our gig worker population. So what does its founder have to say about this? Andrew Kopolov, architecture PhD student, had plans to create this space after working as a delivery driver himself. He said, I want to provide basic amenities and in doing so, give give workers a place where they can meet each other and build some kind of community. Kopolov said to the ABC, this creation of the space has been backed by Melbourne's Lord Mayor, Sally Cap. And what are some of the risks of doing gig work? Well, being that there's over 250,000 employed people on short-term contracts, engaging with dangerous environments, um, for example, having accidents on bikes, being verbally abused in locations, but also in terms of um, wanting to hustle. You know, if you're just purely working on the basis of the app world, you want to make as much income as possible because you're not getting an hourly wage. I'm sure a lot of us notice and you see all the time a lot of gig workers trying to navigate the CBD and it's a very complicated way. You've got cars and pedestrians mm. and trams. It's it's a really interesting environment to navigate. Uh, I want to know from you guys, do you use delivery apps personally or have you ever worked for one? Haven't worked for one. Definitely use them. Oh, yes. A fair <laughs> Oh, yeah. A little too much. My brother's actually going to be a door dasher, so we'll see how... Oh. That goes. I'm interested. Oh, actually, no, even juicier. My other brother worked for, they were called Suffer Time at the time, and now they're food, then they were Food Aura, and they actually had a whole scandal, and he was on the radio being interviewed about it. Um, Yeah, it was unsafe working conditions because uh, there was kind of like gaps in laws about like if someone is riding their own bike or whatever, then the workplace isn't responsible for their injuries. And that was kind of like a cheeky loophole. Um, Yeah. And then I think it was also wage theft, just a little bit of wage theft too. Interesting stuff. They, yeah, they got slammed. It was a big thing. Yeah. A lot of the um, apps have been offering sign-up bonuses as well recently, trying to lock Mm. people into, you know, doing uh, X amount of trips or deliveries and then getting a bonus you know, monetary bonus. I think that's interesting just, uh, you know, seeing how many people rely on this as as a short-term part of their income as well, Mm -hmm. you know. Personally, I I don't use, like, a lot of delivery apps for food, but, you know, if I, like, for private cars, I'll, you know, use Mm. Uber or Didi, you Mm. know, and talking to some of the workers, yeah, a lot of them only do weekends or late nights or, you know, it's just kind of like a little bit of side income. So I think that's also interesting there. And this is like a first of its kind and it'll be interesting to see where it heads, you know, and it's Mm. great that there's been backing by, by Melbourne's Lord Mayor as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is really interesting to have chats to Uber drivers and DD drivers. I yeah, I mix it around. Um, yeah, there's a lot of differences as well in how Uber and DD run things as well. Um, and increasingly like privacy settings in terms of like their navigation to your house or to wherever you're going are like changing and um, yeah, it is definitely like a watch this space kind of situation. I, I think that the demand will never go away for delivery. Um, I think increasingly like people are relying on things like Uber Eats and it's like, yeah, it's changing everything. Like in lockdown, like definitely 
that would have yeah been very popular like the Uber Eats stuff it's an ever-changing landscape you know especially a lot of apps offering subscription services for you know Mm. different cars upgraded cars or a lot of the food delivery services saying okay well you know we'll deliver to your house first instead Mm. of drivers doing multiple deliveries and you can pay an extra fee on top of that for all those kind of amenities so yeah it will be interesting to see where it all ends up and how it will fit into our day-to-day lives You're listening to On The Beat on Sin 90.7 FM, digital radio and the Community Radio Plus app. Aspiring high school teachers will soon study for free under a state government initiative after a rally outside Parliament House last week. Dom Neary has more. Dom, what's the issue? So, at the start of August this year, there were 2,255 teaching vacancies posted on the Department of Education's website, more than double the number it was in January. Uh, This is just in Victoria alone. So, the Victorian branch of the National Education Union also said that advertised vacancies in public schools had, quote, reached unprecedented unprecedented levels, end quote, uh, with daily advertised jobs reaching 2,600 people in the first week of September, according to The Guardian. Uh, A 2022 survey of almost 5,500 teachers by researchers at Monash University found that quote, workload and associated concepts such as burnout, work-life balance and exhaustion were the most common reasons for teachers' intention to leave their careers, end quote. Uh, The workforce hangs by a thread. Uh, Yeah, up to 70% of teachers consider quitting, according to this Monash study. Um, Some more, uh, a 2021 survey by the Australian Education Union found that teachers were working an average of 53 hours a week, uh, 15 whole more hours than what they're actually paid for. Um, and according to the AITSL, up to 50% of teachers were likely to quit their job in the first five years on the job. What's the state government doing? The Premier, Daniel Andrews, announced a $229 million workforce package on Tuesday, according to The Guardian. Uh, Parliamentary library data provided to The Guardian shows that real funding to private schools has increased almost twice as much as the funding to public schools in the last decade. So that's also interesting. So what's the federal government doing? So there is now a new scheme announced, I think, last week, National Teacher Workforce Action Plan. So this was introduced by Labor's Minister for Education, Jason Clare. Universities will be required to overhaul their ITE, Initial Teacher Education Programs, in the next two years because there's just a complete overhaul. Um, $328 million over nine years, so... $36 million a year uh, will be funded and this is mostly to aim at supply of teachers so just getting more people in the workforce Um, and just over $3 million of this a year is going to a teacher workload reduction fund. So that's all very hopeful. Going back to high school teachers, how, how did they affect your life? They're important people, aren't they? They are. Just so important. Uh, shout out Mr. Brehu, my literature uh, yes. teacher, shout just out. very much was very pivotal in not only in like my understanding of literature and learning English and all that sort of thing, but also just about being a human being. I feel yes. like he very much sort of taught me um, how to, yeah, like back yourself and that sort of thing, which was like really beautiful. special. And he lives like right near my parents. So when I was still living at home, sometimes I would see him um, on my little walk and that would be really cute. But 
That's so Shout nice. Out. English teachers are great. Because, I mean, it's I'm an English, English girl. Look at us. We're on, always the English <laughs> we're, on, we're on radio, so it's like, yeah, we're wordy yep. people. Yeah, my English teacher was divine. She's still, like, my reference. Even though I have better references now, I just keep her because she's just an angel. Yeah. Miss Keenan Mount. Smart people. Very inspiring. Teachers, teachers are well-rounded. Now to sport. Kyra Cooney-Cross has become the latest Matildas player to sign with an overseas football club, making a deadline day deal to play for Arsenal in Europe's Women's Super League. Elizabeth Folds has more. Liz, what is the Women's Super League? So it's actually also known as the Barclays Women's Super League. Um, This is actually the highest league of women's football in England, featuring 12 professional teams. Some names that I think you guys might recognize might be like Arsenal, you know, your Chelsea's, um, Man United, Liverpool, Manchester City, just to name a few. What are the terms of this deal? So Arsenal's actually reportedly paid $270,000 to sign the 21-year-old, a hefty sum in this in the women's game, including possible bonuses. Um, with their coach, um, Jonas Eidevall, rating Cooney Cross as one of the best young players in world football, further stating that they're delighted to have brought her into Arsenal. Yeah, that's great. Um, so who else from the Matildas is playing overseas? So, um, obviously, there's Sam Kerr, top goal mm-hmm. scorer for two years in a row um, with um, from Chelsea, Mary Fowler for Manchester City, and Mackenzie Arnold for West Ham, along with a few others, Steph Catley and Caitlin Ford at Arsenal, who Cairo will be joining. So, that being said, guys, with the whole Matilda's game recently, do you guys follow women's sports? Yes, very much so. I feel like I got on the Matilda's bandwagon a little bit late, but I love them so much. And I am very soon from buying a membership for the Saints AFLW team. That's so exciting. What yeah. do you get in a membership package? You get your scarf, beanie. You get to go to games. That's that's also good. Yeah. <laughs> Me just caring about clothes. <laughs> I'm such a shallow. Yeah. You just want the merch. I mean, fair enough. I like the the glam of it all. I watched the Matildas, I think it's on Netflix. Um, they had like a documentary done. It was beautiful. Oh. It's like, it's like, it, yeah, it was like watching a reality show. They're really yeah. like multifaceted people. They're so cool. Um, yeah, women are like that, hey. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was, yeah, they seem like really lovely girls. I think everyone sort of just fell in love with like the skill, the teamwork and just like some of the personalities. I mean, Sam Kerr, we're all obsessed with Sam Kerr. Love of like, my life. Yeah. If you're listening, Sam, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> She'll be listening. Are you married? I don't think she's married yet. I've been, <laughs> I've been looking at the photos on Instagram. I'm like, nah, they're going to break up. But she's Sam, dating someone from the America? Team? Yeah. It's like yeah. long distance doesn't work, Sam. It's Sam, okay. I know she's this. in England. It's not that far. Sam, like I'm, I'll move. I want to move to. <laughs> she play for Arsenal. We've got we've got three naughty and rooters in the house. You can watch. You can listen to I naughty and rude Sundays. Eight till ten. Eight till Sam, eight I hope you show ten. our kids this. Great. I love you. <laughs> Come home. <laughs> Come home. The kids miss you. <laughs> You've been listening to On The Beat on Sin 90.7 FM, digital radio and the Community Radio Plus app. Thanks for your company. I'm your host, Sarah Davenport, bringing you the news this Saturday, the 16th of September, with Elizabeth Foltz. Bye. Dom Neary. Goodbye. And Sam Deshaies. See you later. 
To catch up on this week's programme, search On The Beat Sin, that's S-Y-N, on your preferred podcast platform. And for more updates, head to sin.org.au forward slash news or follow On The Beat Sin on the socials. You can join us next Saturday at 5pm. But for now, enjoy the rest of your evening.